This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Any Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Annie Fry Show. Good to be here with you this afternoon. From what I understand, we're supposed to get snow tomorrow. Is that right? I have not heard that, but I would be excited for that. You'd be excited for yes, snow? Yes, I do like snow. I want I want at least one good snow in a winter. We haven't had that yet? So I was a little bit jealous of, of the Northeast, and they said they got almost a foot, and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> kind of cool. Don't you, it's the best kind is when it comes in. It, it dumps everywhere, mm-hmm. stops everything for maybe 36 hours. Yes. Then it can go. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll watch and see what happens. I know we were supposed to initially get snow on Super Bowl Monday. That certainly didn't happen. I think it was actually kind of a lovely day on Monday. We'll see about tomorrow. Um, so keep it here on 97.1 FM Talk for those uh, updates, weather updates uh, for Dave, Dave Murray. The, the news is kind of all over the place today. There's a lot of little news about a lot of different things. I'm excited to have Hans von Spagowski on with us in about 15 minutes from right now to break down what we're hearing from the funny Willis um, Wade trial that is taking place right now. Wade has been on the stand throughout the course of the uh, day. Nathan Wade. I was going to say Nathan Wade, but for one second I was wondering, I'm like, do I know Nathan Wade personally? Is that somebody in my life that I'm screwing up the name? Like, I always accidentally say Joe De Niro instead of Robert De Niro. Hey, Joe. (laughs) I know him personally. Um, I was listening to it in my car on the way here. And, I mean, when you're watching a trial unfold, that's not a dip in and out situation. Watching an attorney press a witness Mm -hmm. is meticulous. I think it's the science behind it is fascinating to me to watch a watch. Um an attorney press upon a witness and then watch the witness's attorney 
object on these grounds and that grounds because I'm not I I've never been in a courtroom for an active trial and I'm not really itching to be in a courtroom for an active trial for any particular reason. But I also think it matters. And I remember this from the Johnny Depp. What was her name? What's the other one? Amber Heard. Amber Heard. That trial, why we covered that is we didn't. (laughs) We didn't on this station. But why we covered that as as a nation as closely as we did, man. It would be one thing to listen to it. But the, the facial expressions from Johnny Depp, the facial expressions from, from Amber Heard, good grief, there was a lot being said that wasn't mouth, right? Oh, yeah, but that's what you get when you put two actors, actors. on the stage. Nathan Wade's testimony is resuming right now, and uh, all the networks were covering it live. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's mundane, it's meticulous, it's important. This I th- this is the way court cases are. I mean, if I'm used to having the crime committed, the investigation take place, the court hearing happening, and the resolution in sixty seconds or sixty minutes on CBS, <laughs> like that's that's the experience that I have. So I, I I wholeheartedly admit that I can't dip into this. Some sometimes there will be a question that's asked, and I'm like, ooh, that seems he's hesitating to answer that question. But if I'm listening to it on the air and I'm not seeing what's going on in the courtroom, hmm. So we're not going to air that, specifically not on this show. And we will use our connections like with Hans von Spakovsky to have a discussion about break this down for us so that we understand what's happening. Is there anything damning here? Did the uh, the prosecution of this trial completely fall apart? I don't know. Hans is going to tell us at 1225. Donald Trump... Um, Donald Trump also finding out today that he's going to have a trial March 25th is when the hearing is going to be uh, that was determined today. And so he's not he has not been able to have that that trial dismissed. Which one is that? I had it in front of me and then I lost it. How confusing is it? And this is why when you listen to AOC of yesterday, we played that clip for you yesterday where she says Joe Biden is old. But it's important to remember Joe Biden at 81, Donald Trump at 77. Donald Trump also has 91 felonies against him. But that's where the, the chaos, they all get boiled into the same thing. If Donald Trump were um, exonerated on all but one of those felonies that he's been charged with, it would still be that he was charged with 91 felonies. Now, he'd also, if he got charged on one, he'd be a felon. I think to a lot of the American people that are voting in November, that felony that he would be charged with, just because he's going to be a felon, isn't going to strike him from the record for people wanting to cast their vote for him. Which of the things that he's being charged with will he be convicted of, if any? In my conversations with legal experts, I don't think that he's going to get, I don't think that he's going to be exonerated for all of these things. There's going to be appeals. The Supreme Court will be involved. The question will be how many of these trials will come to their conclusion before the election day. And if the left is going to continuously every day run on the idea of he's been charged, he's been charged, he's been charged. How much political capital does that have? Because if it doesn't have enough to keep Donald Trump. From being elected president in November, the game changes dramatically. We've got Tyrus at 105. We've got Congressman Mike Bost at 125. And I'm looking forward to talking to him about the Mayorkas impeachment. 
which we did not speak. We talked to Congressman Jason Smith yesterday from Missouri about the Tony Bobulinski hearing that he was involved in. But we didn't really get to the Mayorkas thing at all. Mike Boss voted in favor of impeachment, of course. We're going to ask him at 125 about that and see what it is that he has to say about the Mayorkas impeachment and where he expects it to go from here. Also, that congressional bill on border funding. How will how will that end up materializing in the House? Let's listen to a CNN report on the border air quotes crisis. There does seem to be a bit of a divide inside the Democratic Party about how to grapple with this immigration issue. But you're right. It is going to be a front and center issue. We normally think of it, I think, in the past, John, like that it's just an issue for the right wing echo chamber. But the, the whole movement that Greg Abbott did and what have you to bring the migrant issue and crisis to cities, to blue states and cities, that has changed the calculus here. The, I, you see this issue rising in importance for all voters. You do see the issue of the border crisis rising for all border or for all voters. But, Brad, it's very it's very obvious to me and I think other people out there that the reason why this issue is being discussed by the White House. I mean, they didn't even acknowledge it. Right. Up until. Yeah. A couple months ago. The line was the border is under control. The border is secure. We were told that. Yes. Constantly. By the mouthpiece of the White House, Corinne Jean-Pierre, repeatedly, emphatically saying that the border is secure, touting their responsibility and uh, their effectiveness and their success on the southern border. It's clearly risen to mm-hmm. the issue of political crisis yep. for Joe Biden. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to this point. The YouTube live chat poll for today is, will the Democratic ticket in November be Biden-Harris? You've got four choices. One is yes, and one is no, neither of them. But you also have two other choices in there that no Biden on the ticket or no Harris on the ticket, because there are a lot of possibilities, a lot of discussions that are being uh, thrown out there and uh, talked about. As to how the Democrats are going to approach what they do for after the convention. I I know that it would be um, it, it would be very risky to at the convention have a scenario where somebody else gets nominated. I refuse to believe that these unprecedented occasions that we've experienced here recently won't continue to occur in the next, well, in the rest of this year. The idea that you hear people say, you know, this has never happened before. This hasn't happened since the 18 whatevers. I don't think that that matters. I think that we are in uncharted waters right now to the point where Anything is on the table. And the Democrats certainly will do whatever it takes to win. I think that, gosh, you know, if I'm if I'm going to say, Brad, would you agree with the statement that the Democrats are willing to do whatever they need to do to win? Oh, absolutely. Do, are the Republicans willing to do whatever no. they... Isn't that frustrating? It is incredibly frustrating. I was going to say, well, both parties would, but both no. parties wouldn't. No, 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 no. Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday when you were talking about it, and I think it was the first segment yesterday. Um... Democrats play to win. That's it. That's why Bob Menendez is still in the Senate. Com- comfortably. Comfortably. And like the only person calling for Menendez from the Democratic side to step down is John Fetterman. That's it. And Menendez had gold bars in his pocket. What Menendez is accused of is way more heinous than what Santos was accused of. But Republicans, they play for moral victories. We want to seem like we are the fine, upstanding, um, you know, moral people in this situation. 
But the line from the Democrats is Republicans are evil, and that's what's easy to say, and that's what's easy to do because they have control over all that. So Republicans can't win that battle, so they end up shooting themselves in the foot by sending Santos on his way because they want to look good. That's a moral victory, not a real victory. Democrats play to win. They're cutthroat. So the question is, do you want the Republicans to be that way? Because I don't know that I do. Yeah, but we got to put some points on the board. What I want is the American people to recognize that about the Democrats and stop buying the lie that Republicans are evil. Republicans have some standards and they hold themselves to that standards. And that should be enough for voters, but it's not. None of this matters if you trust the election process. This is true. And I don't trust where our elections are today regarding how long the voting process is open, but that's the name of the game. You, uh, To me, what I want to see the Republicans do is fully invest in an early voting campaign where they invest money. I mean, you can look at what Turning Point USA is doing, turning or Turning Point, I guess. They are working to actually put people in motion to go out and do what the Democrats are doing to collect ballots. What the Democrats are doing is legal. Yes. You can't I it does not even matter an ounce if you like it. In fact, it's probably to the democratic benefit if you don't. If the Democrats know that they are legally out there chasing ballots and pissing you off at the same time, win-win for the Dems. Mhm. And watching Republicans wring their hands and say well, I believe Election Day should be the only day that vote. It doesn't matter. It, it literally isn't even part of the conversation. Not now, because you ain't going to win an election to make that be the case in your state based on how your state chooses to, because elections are run by the states. You got to win. And if you're not going to play on the field where the battle is being fought, you're going to lose because you're never even showing up to the battle. And I just don't have the confidence that the Republicans... And the apparatus that is the Republican Party fully gets it because I haven't I've heard them say in, you know, we don't we don't really have the RNC on the show very much. Mm-mm. The RNC is easy to get on the show. If we call the RNC, they will come on. Commend, I commend them for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, the reason why I don't go to them terribly much is because they that's the origination of talking points for a party. I don't find that to be necessary to bring to you when it's pretty easy and obvious to you what needs to be done with this country, the things that need to be changed, the things that need to be emphasized. You know, my question to the RNC would be more as an advocacy for you to the RNC. Are you going to reflect these wants and desires of the people? And I've had those questions, and the people that I've talked to at the RNC are all very kind, nice people, well-versed, well-spoken. That's their job. But to have the RNC come on to the show and say, you know, the Republicans need to focus on the border, or we need to, the American people need to understand that the border, we know. We get that. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is an, an old and incapable man who is... Running this country, I guess by proxy, it's what it feels like. If Republicans come on this show and tell you that, are you, are you, have you been exposed to new information? No, because you've got two eyes. You've got the capacity yourself. You don't need people 
to provide you the talking points. It's just not necessary. When I look at the future of this country and when I look at the election, which is 264 days from today, that is not a long time. That will go by in a snap. When I look at that, my only question now is to the, to the RNC, what are you doing to make sure that we are strapped and ready to go on the battlefield that has been drawn for this fight to take place to make sure that we win on every down? That we understand where to block, where to run, where to throw, the whole, the whole gamut. We need to understand, as voters, people who already get this stuff. I mean, you're listening to conservative talk radio. You don't need me to come here and tell you, well, these are the issues that matter to the American people. You know them. I am a reflection of many of you who have these thoughts and bringing people into the conversation here. If I'm going to bring them in, it needs to expand the conversation, not just affirm. It's a waste of your time and mine and honestly theirs. How are people getting involved? And in turn, I have to ask you, how are you getting involved? I have to ask myself, how am I getting involved? If I, if, if I spend 15 hours a week getting behind this microphone and saying, the border is on fire, it's a problem. I'm not doing enough if that's what I'm doing. How am I bridging the gap to impress upon other people the the things that concern me to bring them into a conversation that maybe they haven't felt comfortable being a part of yet, but also putting my feet into action so that I can affect some sort of change somewhere. It's not enough for me to have this show. It's not enough for you to tune into the show and go, Annie and I agree again, or I disagree with Annie on everything again. It's not enough. This, This is like, Maybe group therapy, but I, I've never heard of any counseling or therapy that didn't give action items so that when you leave that room, when you leave that conversation, you don't go out into the world and just do the same things over and over and over again until you have another opportunity to sit down and talk about it. We got to move the ball. And I'm waiting to see from the top of the structure of the Republican Party a very clear cut emphasis on how to move the ball. You don't need to point and tell me, there's the ball. This is what the ball looks like. This is the shape of the ball. This is where the ball lies. I know that stuff already. How do we get it into the end zone? I'm waiting. I'm not seeing it. When it comes to the ballot in 2024, right now it's looking as though it will be Joe Biden for the Dems, Donald Trump for the Republicans. Donald Trump is under legal challenges in every favorable district that the Democrats can muster a trial. One of those is Fulton County, Georgia, which is a very interesting one because those are not federal charges. Those are state charges, which means should Donald Trump be convicted of any felonies in that trial, he would not be able to, if he became president, pardon himself for those because they're state charges. They're not federal charges. In the meantime, Fonnie Willis's boyfriend, Nathan Wade is on trial right now, being questioned about his relationships, expenditures, so on and so forth, whether or not he told the truth under oath. We're going to talk to Hans von Spakovsky when we come back, and he's going to give us the breakdown of what he's learned so far today. Has anything come out of this? Maybe it's a nothing burger. Maybe it's a bombshell. 
I'm sure that you could go on the internet right now and find articles with headlines that say nothing burger and bombshell at the same time. Let's get to the bottom of it here on the Annie Fry Show when we come back. The YouTube live chat poll. Will the Democrat ticket in November be Biden-Harris? Yes. No Biden, no Harris, or neither. Annie Fry YouTube channel, Hans von Spakovsky, when we come back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. I think that if there is a strong appearance of impropriety here, there's a very strong likelihood that both Wade and Fonnie Willis will be disqualified. And it's Willis that really matters. If Wade gets disqualified, someone else can step in. We the people of the United States. More perfect. We are a form of our perfect union. Heritage legal expert Hans von Spakovsky. Well, we've been watching this trial on television. I listened to some of it on my way in in the car, and listening to it is more boring than watching it on television. But i got to ask Hans von Spakovsky, our friend, about what he has gathered so far from this Nathan Wade, Fannie Willis trial taking place in Atlanta right now. Hans, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. And I think the only way to describe it is it's a disaster for Fannie Willis. Really? (laughs) Give us some of the bullet points as to what has come out today so far to affirm uh, the disaster prognosis from Hans von Spakovsky. Well, keep in mind that a key factor in this is um, whether or not she was having an adulterous relationship with Nathan Wade before he hired her because that brings up all kinds of ethical and professional conduct issues. And she filed a sworn affidavit, a sworn affidavit with the court um, saying that, no, 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 didn't start till after she'd hired him. Well, we've already heard testimony this morning from a former friend of hers and former employee in her office <laughs> who said that, Contrary to what Fannie Willis said, under oath, the relationship, romantic relations started two years before Fannie Willis started, uh, uh, says it did, which was long, long before um, she hired uh, Nathan Wade. Um, That, if you take that testimony as true, and there's no reason for this woman to be up there lying about it, um, 
It means that Fannie Willis committed perjury when she filed a sworn affidavit with the court. Um, Nathan Wade is now up on the stand, and he's doing everything he can to evade answering simple questions about the nature and extent of his sexual relationship with Fannie Willis. And remember, one of the big issues is, did Fannie Willis benefit from all the money she was paying um, uh, Nathan Wade as a special prosecutor? (laughs) And I just saw an exchange in which Nathan Wade claimed, oh, yeah, yeah, she would reimburse me for uh, her share of the cost of all these luxury trips we took. Uh, do you have any receipts for it? Well, I know receipts. She always paid me in cash. Of course. <laughs> That's what you would do. You know, one of the things that I was listening to um, earlier today was his explanation, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of the discovery and the information that his really thrust this forward is the fact that he is or was going through a divorce. And there are a lot of details that have come out in his divorce hearing that fill in a lot of the blanks with the relationship with Fonnie Willis. And what right. I, what I heard Nathan Wade say today, I was listening to it again. I wasn't watching it. So I think that that kind of causes you to consume it a little bit differently. But Nathan Wade is arguing that due to infidelity on his soon-to-be ex-wife's part in 2015, that his his marriage was irreversibly ended in 2015, but they decided that they were going to stay together for the kids, and he wanted to be present in the home, and that they weren't going to get a divorce until the kids had moved out. So as far as the infidelity on his part goes, it wasn't infidelity. He was still married. But the marriage was effectively ended in his mind in 2015 because of her infidelity. Does any of that matter legally in the conversation no. that's taking place here? Because it sure did. No, it it sure, sure painted no. him as a victim the way he presented it. Yeah, and that is just uh, that's exactly what he's trying to do: paint himself as a victim. But uh, one of the lawyers, one of the other um, defendants, just went through asking him questions about. The interrogatories, you know, which are the discover, uh, written written questions in discovery that you have to answer. And it was very clear, again, from his evasive answers that he lied. He lied in those interrogatory answers because he didn't want to admit, again, the extent of and nature of his sexual relationship with Fanny Willis. Just getting him to admit that he had been having a sexual relationship with the district attorney, it was like uh, pulling teeth to get him to admit what what everybody already knows happened. So uh, all of this just I, I really have a hard time seeing how the judge, just based on what we've already heard, uh, how he's not uh, going to have a choice to do anything other than recuse her from the trial. And frankly, given the kind of presentation Wade is putting on, I think he's got to pull both of them out of the case. And if that happens, again, I don't think it needs a choice but to pull out every single person who works for her, which means the entire Fulton County DA's office is out of the case. Okay. So if if that tracks and, and the sequence of events happens the way you said, specifically Fonnie Willis, uh, also Nathan Wade, and whoever else might be in that circle that would be removed from the trial, what happens to the trial? 
what happens under the rules um, governing this kind of a situation in Georgia is that the judge transfers the criminal prosecution to a different county. And the district attorney in that county has to then basically review and reexamine the case and decide whether he or her want to continue to prosecute it. Who chooses the county? The judge? The judge will determine what county it goes to. Is, Is there another county in Georgia like Fulton County? Yeah, uh, Cobb County next door is also a huge, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, DeKalb County next door is a big Democratic stronghold. Um, So uh, transferring it over there really wouldn't do much about the, uh, frankly, abusive nature of the criminal prosecution to begin with and all, all the problems with it. So is the, that is that the, the obvious county it would go to? Like, how does the judge? No. De- because I would think that the county that you would transfer the case to would be dramatically impactful on the sequence of events that happens next. Yeah, I I think the the I think the judge ought to transfer this case if he doesn't decide to just dismiss it all. But if he decides to transfer, it needs to be to to a county far away from Atlanta. Um, which I, I, I think the venue, I just don't think the defendants can get a fair trial, frankly, in any of the <laughs> surrounding counties of the metropolitan Atlanta area because of the politics there. OK, so let's go back to what we are watching unfold right now in the courtroom. This Nathan Wade being on the stand right now and has been for quite some time. Uh, it's, this is all surrounding the, the big question about, from what I understand, Fonnie Willis, like this is the, the, the question is around her behavior, her actions and her most importantly, truthfulness under oath. Is, is that what this all boils down to? No, not. I mean, that's an important factor. But uh, it, there, there's also the issue of, look, she, she has she did not get the approval of the Fulton County commissioners. They run the government there. She did not get their approval to hire a special prosecutor when she's got this big DA office. Moreover, she didn't get approval uh, from them to pay him any money. Instead, she... You're saying uh, him as in Nathan Wade. As in Nathan Wade, right. She got no permission to hire an outsider. And the money that she used to pay him was extra money that she told the county commission she needed because of COVID. Hmm. And she obviously (laughs) then lied to the county commissioners also. Um, If she was having a romantic relationship with her and he was paying for all these trips, he claimed she reimbursed him, but that's a little hard to believe. Well, then that brings up the issue of potential kickbacks that a county employee, Fannie Willis, was receiving from a vendor, Mr. Wade, for the county. That is illegal under both state law and federal law. Those are all prominent issues, all of which at their base are the relationships she was having with this guy. We're speaking with Hans von Spakovsky. He's a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation as well as a DOJ lawyer. And we love our opportunities to talk with you. And it's hard to comb through all of the legal issues that are facing us, especially in the political scene right right now. 
But this Fulton County, Georgia case has always kind of been a different animal than the rest of them, my understanding, because of the nature of it being state charges as opposed to federal right. charges. Um, if he gets if he gets convicted in this trial, it's a different animal than the rest of the charges that we have seen him face, save maybe one in New York. I, I, again, there's so many. Um, you're saying right now that it's been a disaster for Fonnie Willis today in court. What is the timeline that we are looking for this hearing to, you know, make its way through and finalize and then the resulting action, which, as you've articulated already, could be a change of venue or a county or by the judge, a complete dismissal of the case as a whole? Well, the judge scheduled two days of hearings, and um, that may get stretched because if you anybody who's been watching it, has probably been noticing that Fannie Willis's lawyers have been standing up and constantly objecting. Yeah. One objection after another, which can keep getting overruled by the judge. They're doing that to delay testimony coming out that hurts. And frankly, if I was the judge, I, I would be starting to get angry at them for what is obviously a delaying tactic. Um, we then don't know how long it'll take the judge to make a decision. But there isn't a trial going to go forward, that's for sure, until this issue has been decided. So for right now, the actual criminal trial of these defendants, including Donald Trump, is is delayed. And uh, once this hearing's over, like I said, don't know how long it'll take the judge to make a decision. I mean, he might not even make a decision. He might say... I need an independent investigation by, for example, the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which is the state equivalent of the FBI. Uh, I need an independent investigation to to look at the uh, find out the truth of all this. That may not happen. He's always got that option. But but there's just no telling how long this will delay the case. Hans, you know, you're talking about it being a disaster today in court and, and laying out the great areas of concern that any American, especially those in Fulton County where uh, Fonnie Will- Willis represents those individuals, there's a huge amount of impropriety that is alleged here. I don't, yes. as a Republican, um, I don't, as somebody who wants to believe in a no one is above the law uh, system, that we're going to see justice prevail, whatever that looks like. You know, maybe it's not as big and bold and in the favor of Donald Trump as a Trump voter would like it to be, but I would like to see justice play out here. And as somebody who covers this and watches it every day, I have no faith whatsoever that as obvious as the wrongdoing is on one side, that there's going to be a reckoning for that at all. Do you feel in what you've witnessed so far that there is a way for Fonnie Willis, for Nathan Wade, for the people involved in the system to skate through this and continue on as usual? Oh, yeah, they could. If the judge decides to overlook all this behavior and if the State Bar Association Georgia ignores it, um, then they will have skated through and both the judge and the State Bar Association will have violated their duty to uphold the law because there are all kinds of ethical violations going on here, some of which there's not even any question about. And I, let me just tell you one, that there's no question. This is a, a violation of the professional code of conduct. Remember when all these motions got filed, remember what she did? She went to her church, right, and gave a sermon. And in that sermon, she accused the defendants 
of being racist for filing these motions against her. In other words, she claimed there was racial animus behind it. The Professional Code of Conduct says that prosecutors cannot make what's called extrajudicial statements. In other words, statements outside the courtroom in public that would tend to um, uh, uh, cause public condemnation of, of defendants. Well, that's exactly what she did. That's a clear-cut violation, like I said, of the rules governing lawyers in Georgia and the Bar Association down there has an absolute duty to do something about that. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on the judge? Do you know anything about him? I don't know really anything about him. Um, so far, I, he seems to have been doing a pretty fair-minded job, particularly overruling some of the what I consider to be frivolous objections being filed by Fannie Willis's uh, lawyers, but the end, the end result is will tell us what we know about him, um, whether or not he actually does something about all the wrongdoing that's being uncovered, or whether he just glances it over and says, uh, nothing to see here, we'll go on with the trial. Well, uh, his integrity and the integrity of the county and the system there is certainly under the microscope. And we will, I guess, wait and see. And Hans, have you back as soon as possible so that we can get the next chapter of this crazy, crazy time in our legal system. Uh, you're always very, very uh, appreciated here on The Annie Fry Show. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you, Hans. Senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, former FEC commissioner, DOJ lawyer as well. Author, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Quick break. When we come back, Wiggins America... Things boomers got right. All right, boomers. And I say all right, boomers, because I didn't say okay, boomers, because that's different. There's connotation involved in the second phrase there. We'll find out out what Ryan Wiggins thinks of his generation, the boomers. When we come back, don't go away. Wiggins! Oh! Wiggins! Well, this is a continuation because it was so popular in the last episode when we did this. It was so pop. What is your your metric of proof? Oh, uh, man, when you go on the street Every and people, about people are like, oh, man, the boomer thing was so good. Why don't you do that again on Thursday? That's a great metric. I'll allow it. And uh, <laughs> so I said, gee, okay, I was just trying to get a coffee here. Can you imagine people? going down these streets and yeah. hearing someone say that? <laughs> like, oh, man, you uh, on the Eddie Fry show, right? That show is hot. Yeah, everybody who's walking around on these streets is listening to this show. <laughs> we are real big right in downtown St. Louis. You get out to the to the collar counties, though. Nobody's, nobody's listening. listening. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> but right down in the population center, man, people freak out every time we walk around. Walk across the street, get a pancake. People are like, oh, man, that's the Eddie Fry Show guy. <laughs> across the street to get a pancake is such a random thing to say. Chris's but pancakes it makes is right to- over there. It makes total sense because <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah. We've yeah. had pancakes there. We've had breakfast yeah, there. Yeah, we have breakfast there all the time as a show, like as a family, as a show. Uh, <laughs> I've had breakfast with Brad there. You know, the one or two times I ever have had a business meeting over there, I have ordered breakfast and milk, and apparently people laugh at me because you're not supposed to order milk in a business meeting. Is that true? Well, you're an adult. It's a weird thing to get. Milk? Yeah. But it's with breakfast food. It's like a little kid. I know. But I think it's-, it's okay to get milk and if you're confident. Well, both times it happened, you know what, most, somebody brought it up. Most people... Of a certain age, uh huh, would get coffee. I get coffee separately. I get tea and things. I don't like drinking coffee with my pancake. We're running out of time. 
Things Boomers Got Right, episode two. <laughs> okay, so last time, yeah, last time we talked about app exhaustion and phones at concerts slash phones <laughs> at uh, fireworks presentations, bringing back knobs in cars, and then emojis in work emails. This one lists letting kids play as something that boomers got absolutely right. 100%. That we have really abandoned as a society. Kids do great with totally unstructured outdoor play. They don't need an organized game or activity. If you take a bunch of kids to a park and keep an eye on them. Or a device. Or a device is a great point that they get to elsewhere in this. Uh, They will figure out stuff to do together. And often just come up with creative and interesting things that adults wouldn't have thought of. And if you're looking to entertain yourself, it's fun to watch while those kids sit around and look at each other and all they just keep saying is, I'm so bored. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing to do. Do your kids do that? Um, they know better. (laughs) My kids are starting to come, hey, dad, what? They don't say I'm bored, but they'll say, what should I do? Start assigning them chores. And I have done that. And then they have begun to stop asking. Yeah. Um, Every once in a while, they'll say they're bored, but when my kids say that they're bored, they're in a circumstance that isn't like free playtime. It's like you're, it's something that's probably, you should be bored. I think I'm going to tell them more often, this is free playtime. You Man. go do free play. I feel like the best <laughs> toy you could ever get your kid is a pile of dirt. Yeah. I, growing up. I'm sure kids feel the same. My, gro- <laughs> dirt! Here's your dirt. Man, I'm telling you what, growing up though, my dad, we called it the dirt pile. My dad had a spot where he would empty out the bed of his truck and it was just a big old pile of dirt. And we would spend, our friends would come over, we would spend hours just digging holes and playing games. Calling each other. Hey, you guys going over to Brad Range's house? Yeah, dirt he's got pile? the dirt pile. He's got dirt pile. Wavy cool. says, I will, I will almost skip breakfast if I don't have milk. Thank you, Wavy. Mm-hmm. I'm waving at you. Wavy is for Illinois. Um, the next one is tip creep. We've talked about this subject before, but this is something that they're saying boomers are getting right. Say every business is asking for tips at checkout. Digital menus, not being able to own things anymore like software and having to pay monthly fees for car features. That seems like they're bringing up a lot of other things within tip creep. But tip creep being that you have to ask or at least respond to the question, do you want a tip? Basically, anytime you buy anything anymore. I just feel very comfortable being saying yeah. no. I still don't. I still feel bad if I say no. Do you like say I try no? to hot. Well, they flip the screen around usually, and I'm like, oh yeah, let me get to that in a second. And I'll like wait till they turn around and be like, no. <laughs> it's not like they don't realize what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but I still feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> Even when it's in a situation where they're just doing what they would do, they're not serving me anything. This is me at the counter. Yeah, it's, that's traditionally it's not a place super, where you tip. Super easy not to tip. If it's a job where they get paid the full minimum wage that is Illinois, what is it, $15 an mm-hmm. hour now? No, they don't need an extra 10%. It's really easy to click that no button and flip that screen right back to them. It's true. Uh, we've talked about this one, too. But You they're seem saying... like the type of guy who would start giving, like, life tips. <laughs> <laughs> like writing it in my signature? No, just... Don't oh accept wooden nickels. I wouldn't wear that hat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. How about this one? I think we've we've crossed this bridge before. Boomers get it right. Gender reveals. Oh god! Just it. tell us if you're having a boy or girl. Say the boomers. Yeah. Or wait till the baby's born. No. We don't need to assemble some sort of ridiculous reveal. I don't want pink or blue dust all over my house. The other thing is, is that no. I mean, I hope that you're surrounded by people who are as happy for you if you're having a girl or a boy. Like nobody. It's just hard. It's a life. I understand that. Trust me. Nobody cares. 
<laughs> Nobody cares that much. Yeah. I, when you're having a baby, though, especially if it's the first one, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, but have a fourth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> it's another kid. It is. And, you know, w- with my... The closest thing I got to a gender reveal was, first of all, I've told the story before, my husband did not want to know what our first child was. He wanted to find out when the baby was born. And I would not have in it. So I found out at about 18 weeks that we were having a boy and I did not tell him the entire rest of the pregnancy that we were having a boy. And he knew that I knew. I wasn't keeping from him that I found out. From then on, we found out and it was girl, girl, girl. But we would, we did pink icing cupcakes for grandparents. And we just showed up. They're like, have a cupcake. And they got a cupcake. It's a girl. And that was it. And we did that with our kids too. Last one I want to sneak in here because we got like 10 seconds. Paper straws. There you have it, everybody. Oh, the boomers man. were right all along. Paper, Paper straws, straws are the stupid. Worst. Take them and throw them away. I want all of them. thick plastic straws. Yeah. Yes, me too. All right. Tyrus, Mike Bost, in the next hour. Don't go ahead. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.